I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the 2020 Dave Nugent to my 2007 Dave Nugent. It's Justin Peach. Good evening. I need to say good afternoon then, but we're recording on a different day and a different time. We are and it's dark outside. It's not really. It's not that late. But... It's cloudy though. <laughs> it is cloudy. Perilously cloudy. How are you, Justin? I'm good. Been a long day at work. Mm. Different to a Sunday, obviously, because, you know, working. And but no lying. That, well, yeah, no lying either. Unless, you know, working from home does, does you know, represent that opportunity. Are you saying that you've been having naps during work time? I mean, no, no, no definitely not. <laughs> do any of your employers listen to this? Um, I think one of my colleagues do, yeah. Oh, God. But oh, to God. be fair, I'm one of the first ones to log in because I start very early. And then have a nap. And then I nap for the rest of the day, yeah, correct. <laughs> Bang on. Well, welcome to the midweek episode of the Second Tier Podcast. We don't do this very often, but it's very special when we do, because they're usually a streamlined episode, and that's where we breeze through the matches and then we recap all the news and stuff at the weekend. But I feel like, for a change, we've got to talk about some massive news that's happened this week, Justin, because Wigan have gone into administration. The club have cited financial problems caused by the coronavirus pandemic. They face a 12-point deduction this season if they finish outside the bottom three or next season if they end up in the relegation zone. Uh, Obviously, it's likely to be the former with Wigan now eight points clear of the bottom three. Uh, 12 points would leave them five points from safety. What's your reaction to the news, Justin? I was was actually genuinely really gutted because the work that the players have put in um, since the start of January has been unbelievable. Um, I know they had a poor start to the season, um, but the form has been great. They've been playing good football and they look like they were going somewhere. And unfortunately, this has, you know, almost grabbed their shoulder and um, pulled them back. Yeah, they really do look like they're going places at the moment because they've not considered a goal in their last seven games and won six of them. They have really turned it around and then this happens and everything comes crashing back down again. Absolutely. And, you know, we're not overly uh, knowledgeable on the world of finance in, in football, but, you know, we, we we take things from elsewhere. And obviously with the with the ownership, there's a takeover that went, over, went through recently, but I think I'm, I'm right in saying that the owners haven't yet put any money into the club, which is why they've gone into administration. Well, what's happened is, for anyone who isn't following the financial situation at Wigan. Um, The club was sold by Dave Whelan, who, as we all know, was the chairman for ages there. He sold them to a Hong Kong-based international entertainment corporation in 2018. They were led by the new chairman, Stanley Choi. They were then taken over in June by the Next Leader Fund, which Choi has a 51% stake in. Now, that was only 
last month and they've gone into administration a month later. Mm-hmm. So you've got to raise questions about <clears throat> what the hell has happened there. I know there's a lot of um, finger pointing at the EFL as to why they'd sanction this this sale as well without proof of funds. Um, it is really, it, I mean, it doesn't cover the EFL in any glory. Again, you know, the issue with Charlton over the past six months, it's a similar situation to that in terms of, you know, approving an owner that, you know, is the club at their best interest? We don't know. Yeah, well, the good news is that is that the club has already received 10 expressions of interest. That's one positive side. Let's talk about on the pitch because, uh, we, well, we may as well start off with the game on Tuesday night mm-hmm. because I don't know if the players would have been aware of the financial situation going into the match, but it didn't seem to affect them because they beat Stoke 3-0. Kai Naismith getting two of the goals. Wigan continuing to storm up the table and looking at the bigger picture... You've got to wonder if they'll still stay up with the points deduction because at the moment, 12 points would leave them uh, five points from safety. Mm -hmm. But the way they're going at the moment, it might not be an issue. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you'd expect them to stay up on their current form. If they keep winning games till the end of the season, they'll definitely stay up. Um, But then again, you know, it's, it's an incredible run of form that they're on. Me being the glass half full kind of person I am, I'd expect any run of form like that to come to an end at some point. Um, you'd, you'd have thought that by now, if there's no administration, no points deduction, that they're safe, that they don't have to worry about relegation. But, you know, I, you know I've got a lot of faith. These players have got a lot to give still, I think, in terms of um, the rest of the season and, and their quality as well. And I think they can continue in some respect. How, you know, they're, they're good runner for. Well, all the players have been tweeting rallying calls for the fans to get behind them obviously Mm -hmm. they're not going to be in the stadium which isn't ideal but rallying their fellow players to keep up their run of form and hopefully see them avoid relegation because administration and relegation are usually not two very good things to mix together are they Uh, let's talk about Stoke because they were on the receiving end of a 3-0 drubbing Um, they have been unlucky in their past couple of games but that wasn't really the case here. They actually got battered. <laughs> and now they're still one point above the relegation zone. And this performance is very concerning from their perspective. Absolutely. And Michael O'Neill came out and said it was completely unacceptable, borderline disgrace. And it's hard to disagree with them. I spoke to a Stoke fan on Monday and uh, he's convinced that they're going down. And, you know, on the on the, the, the way they create chances, the amount of chances they created um, in, in most of their games this season... They just need to put the chances away and they'd be nowhere near relegation, but it's not been the case all season for them. And obviously, post-lockdown, they've been poor. Obviously, they drew Reading, lost to Borough and now got absolutely battered against Wigan. Um, There's no mistake there. There's no... It is a very fine margin between going down and and staying up now for Stoke. You'd have thought it'd be comfortable, but not not in the current state. Absolutely not. Yeah, Reading, Borough... And Wigan, there are three games that you look at and from a Stoke perspective and think, oh, we can get stuff mm-hmm. there, but you've yeah. only got one point. And the way they're going at the moment, and you look at the form of the teams around them, it's a very concerning time yeah. for Stoke. Um, I just wanted to quickly talk about Jack Butland, who had an God. interesting yes. game. Very interesting oh, game. God. He was at fault for at least two of the goals. And he was absolutely terrible at the start of the season, but managed to steady his form a bit. And now has had this game and it just makes you remember that Stoke turned down 30 million for him at the start of the season. Yeah, I feel I really feel for him because he's he's 
he always comes across as a very nice guy, a very honest person as well. Um, and he and he is a good goalkeeper. No idea what's happened to him this season. Absolutely no, no idea. Yeah, just just bizarre. And I, I hope his form does recover because, as I say, he, he always comes across as a pretty nice person. But, yeah, it's not helping their, <laughs> their relegation fight, is it? No, not at all. And it'll be interesting to see where he ends up next season, whatever division Stoke are in. Let's stick with the relegation battle and we'll go to Ellen Road. No, not because Leeds are in the relegation battle, but because of Luton, who managed to hang on for a one-all draw. Harry Cornick got the goal for the Hatters. And what a goal as well it was, Mm. Justin. Lovely finish. Lovely, lovely finish. Lovely finish. I love the way he's just guided it into the far corner. And when you (laughs) consider how many chances Luton had in that game... He's done very well to take it when when it really mattered. Absolutely, it was it was an effortless not not a chip, but it's one of those that you, you catch right and get it over the goalkeeper. You know, it's going to go in the back of the net, and um, he did that. And he, as as we've said throughout the season, or as I've said throughout the season, and we even brought him up in the free agent eleven, although he's not out of contract uh, at the end of the <laughs> season. He is a very very good player and one that is developing very well at this level. Yeah, he, he's shown glimpses of real class, but yeah. it, one thing you'd hold against him is it's not really happened enough, but mm-hmm. um, he's been very handy at times for Luton this season. Uh, this game, it was attack versus defence, in truth. Luton <laughs> were sitting back as soon as they scored, and as usual, as we've seen loads of times with Leeds this season, they just peppered shots, but struggled to find the net. However, I don't think there were particularly loads of golden chances, and on the whole... Luton defended pretty well, aside for one moment, and that was the goal. Yeah, you've you've got to really give teams credit when they go away to Leeds and pick up points, no matter what the team is um, or how they play. You know, you go away to a team like that, uh, as good as they are, as relentless they are. You know, they you know, absolutely um, smash you into submission with their pressing. Uh, don't give you any time to breathe. Um, and to get a result or get to get points at Ellen Road is massive, and obviously Luton, the cause there is is massive. Um, they're fine for their lives, and that showed. And you know, it's a big result for them. Yeah, just one loss in nine now for Luton. Admittedly, there's been plenty of draws in that run, but they have got a very nice run of games coming up. They've got to play three fellow sides in the relegation battle, but then their other games are Reading, QPR, and Blackburn. Three sides not in great shakes themselves at the minute, mm-hmm. and. Two or three of them have got nothing to play for. No, definitely. And you know, you say you mentioned the draws with Luton, but it's something that they've not done enough this season. Is you know they've conceded goals that have turned into defeats, um, and that really has probably been the sway for them in terms of because they've won a, a fair amount of games. They've won a lot of games um, or similar amount of games to the teams around them. They just haven't drawn enough. Um, but as you say, it's, it's a nice run of games for them, and they've picked up points where you didn't think they pick up points. You know, they beat. Beat Swansea, drew against Leeds, um, drew against Preston. These are good results. Yeah. What chances do you give of them staying up this season? I'm much more optimistic now than I was when we did our end of season preview uh, a few weeks mm. back. Um, I didn't think Nathan Jones would be able to get them going in time. But he seems to, as I say, got them going pretty much. You know, No doubt about that at all. Yeah. He, he seems to have really giving this Luton side a kick up the backside, mm-hmm. doesn't he? And uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do in those final six games. Uh, let's talk about Leeds. I don't want to go on about them too much because I feel like we're repeating ourselves once again with Leeds. Yeah. You've got to be impressed by the consistency of them creating chances, but the amount they miss is just staggering. Um, <laughs> quite often the criticism is levelled at Bamford, even by us. But 
you've got to say it's not just him who's missing these chances. It's the whole side, isn't it? Yeah, compared compared to last season, there aren't enough players picking up goals elsewhere. It's something we alluded to a while ago. Um, you know, players like Click, I think he hit nine goals last season. He's he's not got to, to near those levels. Jack Harrison has been better this season. Costa, I think Costa could have done a lot better this season. Obviously, Enketia and Augustin, um didn't have an impact at, almost at all. Um, so, as you say, you know, players elsewhere should pick up slack. But you know, if you're if you're going for promotion, going to win the league, you need a striker in there that's going to be deadly. You need that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. In fact, it's probably a question to ask at the end of the season when we know which division Leeds are going to be in. But the striker situation there and just putting away the chances, it's something that we need to have a real dig into, I think, Justin, at some point. What we what we can criticise is the floodlights, though, at Leeds, because <laughs> that was the issue, as we found yeah, out. Yeah, just, just tell our listeners what that's about. So, as far as I know, um, Costa missed a... Uh, Helder Costa missed a guilt-edge chance. Um, I think the floodlights were flickering, I think... It's really hard to tell in the video, um, but it made he. I think he blamed it on the floodlights, and then the same thing happened to Bamford. Bamford was about two yards out, um, and he completely missed the flight of the ball. It was a it was a lovely cross from Harrison, um, and I think the same thing happened with the floodlights. <laughs> yeah, floodlights. It's fault. um, it's in, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? If Leeds don't get promoted, and then the floodlights are to blame for that reason. <laughs> take take the baseball back then, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, another side who's making a real fight of staying up is Barnsley. They beat Blackburn 2-0. Now, we, we really like this Barnsley side, don't we, Love Justin? Them. They've now picked up as many wins in their last eight as they did mm-hmm. in their previous 32. They are in great form. Yeah. And now, you've got to say, they look more likely to stay up than some of the teams above them, don't they? No, absolutely. And it, it's Struber having an impact. You know, it, t- it took him a while to get into it. They had they had a good run of form when he first came in. Then they dipped a little bit um, and then they, they picked up again. Then obviously lockdown came and then they've, they've started this um, end of season period like a house on fire, throw, throw a cliche in there. I, I, I love Struber and this Barnsley team alongside Struber is just a match made in heaven. A young, energetic side with a coach that is tactically switched on is is going to, you know, I really do hope they stay up because, as I say, I think they can do something next season. Yeah, well, even if they go down, you'd back them to come straight back up because of how well, well they've played since he's come in. I mean, I don't want to speculate, but if they go down, a lot of teams in the Championship will be looking at Struber if they move their coach on. A lot well, of teams. Looking at a lot of their players as well because they're not, Absolutely, they're not shy definitely. when it comes to scoring goals. Uh, Barnsley are still second from bottom though at the moment, but only two points from safety, which is remarkable when you consider where they were not long ago. Uh, Blackburn, one win from seven. Haven't played particularly bad in their last few games, but they did play quite bad here. <laughs> yeah. uh, defensively, they were very suspect. I don't know how they managed to let <laughs> Connor Chaplin score a header considering he's... Oh, dog! Give some five eight. Cross that cross was oh, unbelievable. It was an unbelievable cross, but letting uh, five foot eight. Yeah, I think he is Connor Chaplin score a header. I you got to raise questions we, there. We don't defense. mean to be heightist, but when you've got defenders that are <laughs> six foot, six foot one, six foot two, you expect them to deal with it. Yeah, a long ball like that into the box. Admittedly, I don't want to take anything away from the ball yeah. because he clearly knew what he was doing. Oh God, it was a fantastic cross. So cross. And it was a great header by Chaplin yeah. as well. I don't want to take anything away from him. Um, but Blackburn's defensive issues have come up here and there. 
and Tosin Adarabayo, who we've given plenty of praise to this season, didn't have a great game here. Um, one thing that Blackburn fans seem to be blaming this result on is the number of players with ponytails, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. When you... <laughs> When you uh, you know you know when you go on Twitter and you've seen the full time result and you just have a quick look to see what fans are complaining about when their team's lost, everyone seems to be complaining about the number of players with ponytails. I mean, there there is a little bit of um, there is a bit of an excuse with the fact that no one's been able to get a haircut for three months. That is true. But are you? Do you share the rage of the Blackburn fans about the number of players with ponytails at the moment? How many of them Blackburn fans have? suspect hairlines or uh, or are bold I'd, now i'd say 95 percent. there you go there's a there, I'm, there may be a hint of jealousy there <laughs> i wish i could grow up <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be 10 times as cool as i am now uh, one of the more surprising results of the weekend was weekend week was huddersfield smashing birmingham three nil mm. um i feel like smashing isn't doing it justice because despite being terrible in recent times huddersfield this was much better from them, wasn't it? This has been the issue with Huddersfield all season. They'll have games like this, and then they'll they'll go away and lose the next game. You know, when you <laughs> when you win a game, it means nothing if you don't get a result in the next one, because you well, need to start picking up form. Well, Danny Callier said his players can't get carried away because mm-hmm. they're still very much in the thick of it, gotcha. and that kind of hints to what you're saying there, because they're only three points above the bottom three, and they need to follow this up with another result, don't they? No, definitely. And as I say, it means nothing if they don't follow it result um, at the weekend. They they have to pick up form. They have to pick up form quickly. They've not been able to do that all season, which is unfortunately um, is what dragged them in it. What I will say is the Cowleys have done an absolutely smashing job. They'd be mid-table if the season started when they took over. Their poor start has ultimately put them in this position. Yeah, I think people forget how bad Huddersfield's start was because it was it's one of the worst starts we've seen in the championship in quite some time, isn't it? Now, I know the Cowleys, they have maybe not performed as well as we were expecting I mean, they, in the second say, half of the season. They've been mid-table. But still, yeah, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. They've, they, they could do with next season coming sooner rather than later so yeah. they can have a real reset and, you know, bring in the players that they want to. But they have done a remarkable job and... Um, they've still got to try and save themselves from relegation though because they're still, as we say, Mm -hmm. very much in the thick of it. Uh, They were helped in this game by Birmingham's defending being an absolute shambles. They're now on course for the worst defensive record they've had in six seasons. Yeah. And when you saw some of the goals they were conceding in this game, Mm -hmm. that's no surprise whatsoever. Um, Could they be dragged into a relegation battle, Birmingham? Seven points above the bottom three? Yeah. It's it's a strange, they're a strange case because as you say, the form hasn't been great post lockdown. They're conceding goals left, right, and centre. You know, six goals in the last two games against teams that are below them is mm. is terrible. To be, to be absolutely frank, it's terrible. How West Brom <laughs> drew nil nil with them? I have no idea. Um, but yeah, as I say, it's terrible. And you have, to, as I've said, I think I said it at the weekend. You have you have to be looking over your shoulder when you're when you've not got a sizable gap between you and the relegation zone, especially when teams down there are picking up points. Yeah, well, Birmingham will be uh, not looking forward to the next few games. They've got the likes of Fulham, mm-hmm. Swansea, uh, Preston, Derby, all teams, you know, got something to play for. The for table. Yeah. yeah, and then Stoke and uh, Charlton, again, two teams fighting relegation. Are they, so are it's they, not an easy run. Are they the latter games, Stoke and Charlton? Are they 
towards the end of the season. They're right in the middle. So by that point, Birmingham might well be in a relegation battle. Well, so you never know. But the way they've been playing, I wouldn't rule them out being in a relegation battle. But at the same time, you've got to you've got to think if they're seven points above the bottom three, that means the likes of Hall, Barnsley, Luton have got to pick up yeah. seven points, while Birmingham have got to drop points. So, you know, I mean, it they've had quite a progressive season this season, Birmingham City, and in a, in a positive way with the players that they brought through and the players that they brought in and have performed at times but considering it's been quite turbulent as well exactly Pep exactly. has done a decent job exactly but for them to get dragged in a relegation battle would be a travesty for them. oh yeah it really would uh, let's finish off the teams involved in the relegation battle by talking about Charlton who managed to rescue a point away at Cardiff in a 0-0 draw not a game of great quality for Charlton uh, they were quite lucky to hold on in the end really uh, but a point is needed considering the sides around them also picked up points they're picking up clean sheets, which I've said before is is the most important thing. You pick up a clean sheet, you at least get a point, um, which is you know obvious statement of the century. Um, <laughs> but it's it's important for Charlton. They they were conceding goals left, right, and centre. They were conceding last minute goals. They were one of the teams that were had a high percentage of goals conceded ninety minutes and beyond at one point in the season. Um, so for them to be looking a lot more resolute is obviously a good thing. Um, and he's much needed and you know it puts it puts um, space between them and the bottom three. Yeah, well Cardiff will be looking at this as a missed opportunity really. This would have created a three-point gap between them in sixth and Derby in seventh but they are for the time being still very much in the driving seat aren't they? No definitely and it's it's not a, a terrible result. They could have lost 1-0 you know Charlton have been picking up some some decent results um, and they've they defend well, so you know it'd have been difficult for for Cardiff to get back into that game um, had they gone one 0 down. But you know it's a nil nil draw against a, a side that is in form. Is it a bad result? Not necessarily. You know you consider the positions they're in, you look at it and go, actually, is it a bad result? Yeah, maybe. But as I say, form wise, probably not. Yeah, one person I wanted to just point out is someone you actually pointed out at the weekend, Justin, and it's Curtis Nelson, um, who was superb here. It really was. He made a. Goal-saving block, really, from a mm-hmm. chance for Charlton. Charlton's best chance of the game as well. And he's turning out to be one of not just the signings of the season, really, but one of the most underrated centre-backs in the league, really, isn't he? Yeah, free transfer from Oxford. It's it's, it's a great addition, and that's Neil Warnock at his best when he's picking players like that up. Um, you look at what he's got out of Joe Bennett, who's turned it. He, he was, I'll be honest with you, he was hopeless when he um, came from Villa, went to went to Cardiff. Uh, turn into a very good fullback, etc. You know the list goes on with players that Warnock has sort of spotted, and they seem to have developed well. But obviously, under Neil Harris, um, Curtis Nelson has gone uh, from strength to strength, and fair play to him. He's a good player. Yeah, you'd probably say he's been one of the key players in Child uh, Charlton Cardiff's decent run mm-hmm. from the since Harris took over. Really, so well done to him. Uh, let's quickly go to the automatic promotion race. We've already mentioned Leeds, but West Brom are still second after beating Wednesday three <laughs> nil. They have been pretty terribly recently, but this was much more like the Albion side that we've seen for most of the season, wasn't it? No, absolutely. You know, a bit of swagger back in the team, which is which is great. And obviously, Pereira back amongst the goals, which again is a massive bonus for West Brom going into the last few games. At one point um, over the weekend, I was considering the fact that West Brom might actually, you know, drop drop points the rest of the season. They might go on a, a bad run of form, and Brentford might pip them. But you know, perform like that um, against a Wednesday side that had just panned Bristol City. Um, we'll add, who are probably you know in, in a 
have a fair amount of confidence, it's a it's a really good result. Yeah, definitely. Well, Matthias Pereira got two of the goals. He's one player who I've given criticism to over recent weeks, quite rightly as well. But he mm. looked a lot better here, didn't he? No, definitely. As I said, it, you know, there's a there's a bit of swagger back in the West Brom team, and when you got players like Pereira, who's a key playmaker in his side, you know, it's going to be massive um, going forward. And I thought Charlie Austin again, we've given him a lot of stick, but he was quite good um, in the build-up play at times, and obviously he put his penalty away as we we expect him to now with the amount of penalties he scored this season. Yeah, well, really, really, when you look at West Brom's remaining fixtures, it would be poor for them to let it slip <clears> now. They're <throat> still second at the moment and they've got Hall this weekend, which, if anything, should be seen as a chance to improve the goal difference. But the the big one coming up is Fulham in a couple of weeks. And it's, st- it's still very much in West Brom's hands at the moment, isn't it? They've got Derby, which is a tricky game as well. Uh, but otherwise, all their other games, they should be looking to win. So are you back in West Brom to seal automatic promotion over the next few weeks yes but I don't I hate predicting things in the championship because <laughs> as we've I mean how many times have we jinxed teams this season Brentford would be 100 points clear if we'd not told uh, not said to fans that they guaranteed to win promotion that's true I mean? um <laughs> it's it's really hard to predict but as you say runner games they're back amongst the the goals which has been they struggled for recently you'd expect them to yeah well, we've, with Brentford hot on their heels, it's going to be really tight to call. But that's why we love the championship, isn't it, Justin? Uh, Wednesday, a poor result after a good start to the restart. They've now conceded 19 in eight league games. Um, mind you, their starting 11 was a, a bit weird yesterday. They only started <laughs> with one centre-back in a back three. So work that one out. Uh, let's move on to one of the most one-sided games of the season. Brentford 3, Reading 0. Yeah. Now, that might not sound like much on the scoreline, but I can assure you Brentford could have doubled their scoreline here. Uh, we love this Brentford side, don't we, Justin? We make no apologies for that. And they are a joy to watch when they're on form. Mm-hmm. And they're certainly on form at the moment, aren't they? Absolutely. God, you know, six goals scored since the restart, three clean sheets. Um, I said their, their result against West Brom was a complete Brentford side, you know, shutting their position out. Um Getting a goal, winning one nil, and then this this sort of this Reading result almost encompassed that again. And as you say, there are players. I mean, Ben Rama was picked up in a six yard box, scoring a header, which again, allowing a small player to do that is is ridiculous. But this Brentford side can score any type of goal um, with the with the attacking threats that they have. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing that we need to mention is Joel Valencia, who scored an absolute screamer. Uh, I'm. I'm questioning Raphael there. I know it's swerved, but... I don't think you can question him. Maybe uh, a very good goalkeeper would have kept it out, but I think Valencia's just hit it Actually, so hard. No, it, is, it is a good strike, but the fact that Raphael dives very obviously to one side, I mean, it's, it, he was very duped by the swerve. Maybe he just misjudged it. it. It's like, well, who knows? It's just like when you throw your ball for a dog and your dog runs after <laughs> it, but you actually still got the ball in your hand. It was a bit like that. A little bit embarrassing. Rafael Cabral, the dog, just in peace there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but the point I was going to make with Joel Valencia is that one thing that we have mentioned quite a few times with uh, people we've spoken to around the championship is that if Brentford got promoted, then one concern would be the depth, because we all know how strong their starting eleven is. It's superb. But the strength in depth might not as be as much of a problem 
as we think. It might just be a case of we don't know players like Joel Valencia as well hmm. as some of the starting eleven players. And actually, the strength in depth isn't as much of an issue. What do you think? Um, it's an interesting one. Um, we we saw um, Mads Roslev come in at right wing back um, before lockdown, and he looked absolutely superb. He looked brilliant. Um, and then on on the flip side, throughout uh, through January, they signed um, Tarek Fosu and um, Charlie Baptiste from Oxford. They were two fantastic signings, two very good players, and they've shown that they can slot in in this Brentford side. So I don't think it's as much of an issue as as we might think it is. Perhaps a, a backup striker if they go up would be would be good. But then again. There's goals amongst that team all over the side, and again centrally in midfield they got De Silva, Jensen, Norgard. Um, they got uh, Makocho uh, till the end of the season. As I say, they got Baptiste as well. There's 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 more there than we think. Yeah, well, Tarek Fosu has played a couple of games since mm-hmm. uh, lockdown, and uh, has looked very tidy in that time. So definitely want to keep an eye on there. Uh, Reading, where do you start? We're talking about them after this performance. It's terrible. They weren't very good, but they did come up against a very good Brentford side. So it's hard to really judge them on this performance. But looking at the bigger picture, they haven't really looked very good since the football resumed, really, have they? No. The thing is, for them, they're quite lucky that they've got to play four sides in the relegation battle next. Um, so you'd expect them to pick up points, but if not, then you might need to watch this space. Uh, quickly, before we move on to the playoff race at the Kayan Prince Foundation Stadium, QPR were beaten 2-1 by Fulham and Alexander Mitrovic-less Fulham. That's hard to say. Uh, their <laughs> first points since lockdown. But you've got to say, they weren't great here, were they? They were actually kind of saved by a rocket from Cyrus Christie because they lacked creativity once again. And the side better than QPR could very well have punished them. I'm sorry, are you saying that because they broke away from plan A by scoring a screamer, that they're actually poorer. I'd say plan B is rely on a scorcher from miles out. Well, and they're still trying to find out what plan C is. Plan B worked on this occasion. It's the first time plan B's worked for a long time because you need players like that. I know Christie's not prolific at all. Um, <laughs> and he, I've never seen him do that before. But you've, you've got to have players that are just going to pluck up and just go, you know what, screw this. I'm going to hit it. You need players that are going to step up. He stepped up, he scored, they won the game. They won the game ugly, I'd say. But you need to pick up, they need to pick up points. Well, you'd say it's ugly when Fulham are relying on goals from Harry Arter and Cyrus Christie. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, considering the attacking ugly. players yeah. they've got. Is... <laughs> Actually, two goals from outside the box um, is very good for this Fulham side. Well, that's what I mean when we say they're lacking creativity because you look at Leeds, for example, and they're just grinding out chance after chance after chance. Brentford are the same. Uh, this Fulham side just well, not doing it with the players that they've got. That's the interesting ridiculous. thing. You know, if you compare the Leeds side to the Fulham side on an individual basis, player by player, this Fulham side, no, again, no disrespect to Leeds because they're, they're, they're amazing, but this Fulham side individually has better individual players in there. Yeah. Well, but I, they're nowhere near. They're that. nowhere near as good as them at all. No, no, because the um, well, the manager is clearly yeah, the manager just n- nowhere near as good. Uh, quite frankly, um, but it, this this result does mean that it's a much needed three points for Fulham, and they looked at serious danger at one point of falling out of the playoffs. But mm-hmm. that's still not out of the question yet, Justin, because they have got some tough games coming up, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. And as you say, winning ugly like this, I think, is the best thing for Fulham because. They just they needed points on the board and it it serves them well 
coming up with some tough games because, as I say, it creates a bit of a buffer um, and hopefully renews confidence in them. I've no idea why they're low on confidence the amount of players that they've got that have quality. Yeah, well, another side who haven't got much to play for at the moment is QPR, who have been worryingly bad since lockdown. Three straight losses now, and they're struggling to score as well, which hasn't been something that you could point a finger at QPR for this season. Um, It makes me wonder if this is something that we've been saying quite a lot, that teams who haven't got much to play for since coming back into lockdown are struggling for motivation for a bit because... Say a side like QPR, for example, they have had to re-motivate themselves to find match fitness and then re-motivate themselves to play nine, eight games. Meaningless games. Meaningless games from their perspective. So mid-table sides like QPR, Reading, Birmingham, do you think they are maybe lacking motivation a bit? Perhaps, yeah. You know, They've had a long time off. They're coming back to a season that doesn't necessarily matter. They, you know, they, if they picked up points, QPR, for example, if they they won the three on the trot, they they'd be with a shout of the playoffs because um, it was that tight at one point. But you know, it's not looking like that now. But you know, who knows if they'd have come if they'd approach it with the right attitude or or whatnot. I'm not not questioning that, but it come down. It does come down to mentality for those mid table sides whether they've got the appetite to finish well, finish the season, but you know, play well for the rest of the season. Mm. Well, the final three games that we're yet to mention here involve all the sides in the playoff race. We'll start off with Preston nil, Derby 1. The Rams continuing their rampage towards the top six. Justin, you must be delighted. Yeah, obviously very happy. It's their their performance as well that we've not seen this season. That that was Derby's first away clean sheet all season, which took me by surprise. But then I sort of then considered, actually, no, we're terrible away from home. That's not a surprise. Um, but it was a, it was a very good performance. Um, you know, a one 0 win. We we controlled the game without looking like we were controlling it. You know, Preston didn't have any um, clear chances. It, it was it's a good result um, for Derby, obviously, because they've now won five on the trot um, for the first time in God knows how long. Yeah, and what a free kick by a certain Mister Rooney. Do we have to praise it because it it's coming from re- uh, England's record goal scorer? It's. I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I was watching the game and. When he curled it in, and I was just thinking, why am I surprised? That's yeah. one of England's greatest players from the last 20 years or so. And he's just scored a free kick. In the if Martin Michael did it, I'd be over the moon. <laughs> yeah, he scored a free kick earlier in the he season. Did, he did, didn't he? he did. Yeah, but still very good for Mr. Rooney. In all, it wasn't the cleanest of wins from a Derby perspective. But one player I really want to praise is Matt Clark, who throughout this season has not maybe given the praise that he deserves from Derby fans because he has been particularly sensational in the last few games for the Rams. Um, Yeah, no question. No question. He's been absolutely amazing. You know, a point I want to make on that is the fact that, you know, this runner form since January, you know, everyone's saying it's it's linked to Rooney, but actually, you know, Matt Clark came back into the defence, which added a massive bonus. I'm not saying it's all down to Matt Clark. But that has been a massive help having Matt Clark in that back four because, as you, as you say, he's a commanding centre half. He's good with the ball, um, and, he, and he's left footed, which again, as, as I said at the weekend, it adds a lot of balance to a back four when you're trying to play out from the back. 
Yeah, well, Derby are trying to get him back, according to reports, because he's only on loan from Brighton this season. But it wouldn't surprise me if Brighton gave him a go because he has been really fantastic for them uh, this season. Preston, one point from their last six games now. Mm-hmm. One side who look like they're really suffering from the length of lockdown. They are looking really, really poor at the moment, considering all the hard work they put in earlier in the season. Definitely. They, they they were really, really good. Um the first third of the season they were great. Middle third they were okay. Um and then obviously coming into that to the latter third they've been quite poor. Um one thing we've we've put it down to is lacking a goal scorer to, to put chances away, but as well as that they had didn't really create many chances, um, especially against Derby. And obviously losing three one to Cardiff again it, it was a was a poor result at the weekend. Um they seem a bit they they just seem a bit stuck in the in in a rut pretty much um and you sort of you you're hoping to get to the end of the season just to sort of reevaluate things i know some pressing fans on forums were questioning alex neil and sort of wanting to press a re- refresh button but i think he's the best man for the job there well i think the fans were questioning him because of the interesting lineup he put out <laughs> for the game yesterday dave nugent starting up front which considering his goal scoring record i think he's got one in 32 now or something like that that's over two seasons right over two seasons, yeah. And then the likes of Daniel Johnson were dropped. Patrick Bauer was on the bench as well. It, it's an interesting lineup. To you do have to least. manage your squad carefully um, post-lockdown just because of potential injuries. As you say, it's, it's an unprecedented time for, for athletes being plugged into two games a week for the rest of the season. It's, it's, it's a pretty big deal for them. Yeah, but I'm still not entirely sure what he was thinking with that lineup. I've got to say. Uh, at the Den, it was Millwall 1, Swansea 1, both teams chasing the playoffs. But... A point not really helping either side here, no. is it? No, definitely not. Um, Millwall went a bit flat after Mason Bennett went off. Um, and Swansea looked a bit flat for, for most of the game, really. they I don't think, other than the, 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 the Middlesbrough result, I don't think they've been, been uh, great post-lockdown. I think um, there's, there's obvious signs for improvement. But again, I think that's just one of the seasons that are petering out um, in the race of the playoffs. Yeah, but, well, I think flat is a perfect way of describing this game. And then <laughs> Millwall in general, really, since uh, well, since the turn of the year, really, they've only got two wins in 12 now, and their playoff hopes are fading extremely fast. We, we named them as uh, one side we thought would get into the playoffs uh, because yeah. of their very good run of, <laughs> I was, of, good run of fixtures. I was but adamant. now, <laughs> yeah, now it's not looking likely at all, is it? Um, Swansea, the only thing you can really say about them is Ryan Brewster's free kick. It's quite, well, uh, yeah, quite unfortunate, really, that it was given as an own goal. Oh, it was definitely an own goal. So I, I saw, I saw Ryan Bruce's post-match presser, and no, you can't have the goal. I will. But push, he asked so I, nicely. I will Justin. crush your dreams, child. That is Bierkowski's <laughs> own goal. Score another one. Do it again, damn it! Uh, but Swansea only four points off top six, so they're still very much yeah. another chance of uh, getting into the playoffs. Forest managed to beat Bristol City one nil. Another superb free kick this time from Thiago Silva. Yeah. Um, Bristol City again, though, really struggling. This this wasn't as terrible as what we saw at the weekend, but it still wasn't great, was it? No, and um, I, th- I think I, I, I specifically went to Lee Johnson's presser because I know he's been saying some weird things. Um, fortunately, it was quite a normal one. Um, but he said that at times they he felt they were the best team. But um, again, I saw a quote from Lamucci that his sides don't dominate games, they suffocate teams. And that is the best way to describe Forrest is the fact that they, they stifle teams, they make it awkward and horrible. 
um, for them. And Bristol City, again, just did not look like they had any idea. Again, the formation and lineup was strange, to say the very least. It's not, look, it's not good for Bristol City. They're not going to finish in the playoffs. Oh, no, no. I think the playoffs are well and truly over for them now, unless something remarkable happens in these last six games. Forest look like they will be in the playoffs, though. Another oh, yeah. three points for them. And it wasn't a great performance from them, but, you know, two wins in two now, and they'll definitely take that, won't they? Yeah. Uh, finally, because of the inconvenience of the kickoff times, Hull and Borough are playing tonight. In fact, by the time this episode goes out, you probably already know the results. So, uh, do you think it was a deserved three points for Middlesbrough, Justin? I think Hull played really well. They conceded goals. Um, Hull, uh, Middlesbrough scored goals. And um, uh, thumbs up to both of them. Yeah. I did not expect Janino to come back and score a free kick. I, I thought he was retired by now. But... Where, did, where did Macaroni come from as well? I know. Crazy. Really crazy. And Ravinelli, I thought, did really well as well. But Javinho for Hull as well. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no more nostalgia. You say Javinho? Javinho. You mean Giovanni? Oh, Giovanni. <laughs> oh, no. I ruined, it. I ruined a joke. Giovanni is the chap who uh, yeah, had for curtains Arsenal. for Arsenal. Yeah, close enough, but I'll let you off on this occasion. Right, Justin, this has been the Second Tier Podcast midweek episode. Uh, thank you for joining us today. And as usual, we'll be back again on Sunday when we'll give you a whole another roundup of everything that has cracked off over the weekend. And we'll also bring you the latest news all that jazz as per usual. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Let's go.